All right, everybody, shalom and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Hebron to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Uh, today's a little bit of an unusual show because I'm in an unusual mood. I'm actually quite tired, and I, that's not a great way to start the show, I guess. Let me start that again. I'm actually in a fabulous mood with tons of energy, but the truth is I was in a f- huge, beautiful, unbelievable hike yesterday. Uh, my friend Ori uh, came in from Florida and took me and some friends on a great hike, which included rappelling, and I took my uh, 12-year, almost 12-year-old son, Elazar, and we had a fabulous time together uh, doing, doing a very special tour in the land of Israel uh, with, with hiking and rappelling, and it was very hot, 40 degrees Celsius, and maybe even more down there at the Dead Sea area, um, and bonding, and uh, finish it up at the farm, the beautiful Arugot form, which is becoming such an amazing attraction. Uh, so, so really, really fabulous uh, a time yesterday. But that also meant like a lot of heat, not a lot of sleep, and and a lot of uh, heart pounding. Uh, have you ever been rappelling down these cliffs? It's really an amazing thing, very special. Uh, so, thank Hashem, it was really, really great. Uh, at the same time, we got to put out a, a radio show, and also this show today is dedicated to the memory of Rabbi Shalom Gold, who was a great rabbi, and we're going to hear more about it uh, from uh, both Ben Bresky and Rabbi Shimshon Nadel, uh, who have uh, the story about who Rabbi Shalom Gold was. Uh, I can tell you that I had seen him many to speak many times and was always impressed with the, with the fire that he brought, the fire that he brought, but at the same time, the very directed fire, right? There's a difference between fire that's unbridled and no longer hemmed in, no longer with borders, and that's like a you know fire that, that destroys, and a fire that builds, a fire that ignites something inside of you, a fire that has a passion, and he had that. He had an amazing laser fire that, that, that came out, but he had a kind of streak where, where he would attack the things that are wrong in this world, and it was he was a very special, was a very special rabbi, and he was known for that. And but 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 he would bring the fire, uh, and but but it was always right. It was always just. It was always true. So we're talking. We're going to dedicate the show to that. We're going to hear more about uh, Rabbi Shalom Gold, and I'm and I'm honored that this week's show is going to be dedicated in his memory. And I want to do a little bit of uh, kind of news reading about what's going on in our beloved land of Israel. But I'm going to do it from the weekly. Uh, current events in Israel email and WhatsApp that my friend Rabbi Ben Packer from the Heritage Center sends. Uh, and I think he does a great job. And I do recommend that people sign up for his fabulous and humorous and edgy news coverage. So I wanted to read to you a few things. So Rabbi Ben Packer writes about the judicial reform update. He writes, this week the Knesset passed the first reading of a law that would remove the ability of the Israeli Supreme Court to be able to reverse decisions by the elected government officials that they deem quote-unquote unreasonable. This is called the reasonability clause. The law needs to pass two more votes in order to become law. The process for preparing the law for additional votes has already commenced. In response to this advancement in the judicial reform uh, efforts, uh, leftist, secular, Ashkenazi folks, uh, what, we call, uh, what we call wasps, uh, white Ashkenazi secular past- paratrooper, right, um, threatened to shut down the whole country. They were able to block some roads for a few hours, but nothing more than that. One couple put their baby in the middle of the street to block traffic. One protester attacked a police horse and seriously injured it. 
Think Mongo from Blazing Saddles, right? A famous Israeli singer pushed a policeman after claiming that he pushed him first. In short, there's a bit more of a double standard when it comes to the right to protest in Israel. Meaning to say that when the right-wing protests, there's a lot more police violence against them. News also came out this week that out of the, all the protesters who have been arrested recently, only a few minuscule number have been charged, uh, have charges been filed against them, despite the fact that they are obviously guilty of, of numerous crimes of, of law and order. Who is, allowing, who is allowing all this lawlessness? The attorney general is the main culprit. There were many calls for him to be fired this week. She probably will be fired eventually, but then she'll, be, then she'll just appeal to her friends on the Supreme Court and claim that it's not reasonable, quote-unquote, to fire her and then be reinstated. Uh, ben, ben Packer continues, Speaking of the Supreme Court, this week they ruled that a government provision that encourages foreign workers to leave the country when their visas expire by threatening to confiscate deposited funds was made not legal. Why not? They said that they hadn't seen this done anywhere else in the world. Of course, the workers agreed to this provision before starting the job. In short, this is exactly what's wrong here with the Supreme Court. It needs to be reformed. So basically, they just threw, we, we're, we're trying to help uh, 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 folks that are here as economic migrants who are doing their work to, when their visas are done, to leave and not to stay. Imagine, you know, Thai workers or other kinds of workers, Philippine, Philippines workers, great folks, wonderful people, uh, but that are here as visitors or workers as economic uh, workers, but we don't want them to stay here because uh, Israel may be offering a better life than Vietnam. We may be, or the Philippines, but still their home is there and not here. That's not the kind of country that we want right now. So to help them uh, emigrate out, uh, laws that would incentivize that, that was thrown out by the Supreme Court. So that's just an example of another way that they rule in order to, um, in order to, to weaken the Jewish state. Ben Packer continues, Hezbollah is playing with fire. All week, Hezbollah has been trying to cause drama on the Israel-Lebanese border. The two tents that they recently placed within Israeli territory are still there. Now they are lighting fires in the area and causing explosions on their side of the border. The Lebanese army and the UN forces in the area are unsurprisingly completely, uh, uh, he says, worthless, but meaning to say they're inactive, they're, they're not taking action. Hezbollah terrorists even approached the border fence seemingly to do damage to it and were wounded by IDF fire. Um, a lot of cat and mouse game going on. Seems like just a matter of time before somebody messes up and this thing gets really serious. Um, also, Abbas, uh, he had something to say to Janine when he went there. Mahmoud Abbas, Abu Mazen, the dictator for life of the Palestinian Authority, traveled to Janine this week. Some say that it's the first time that he's been there as a dictator. It's only like an hour or so north of Ramallah where he lives. Maybe the people of Janine do this, uh, all this terrorism because they need some personal attention, uh, jokes Ben Packer. An Arab once told me that Janine is the best place to have your second wife live. Very cheap and no one ever visits there. Another joke. There were reports that Abbas, um, Abbas's wife was rushed to the hospital this week. So maybe that explains this spontaneous trip to Janine. Yet another joke. Uh, meanwhile, crude rockets continue to be launched from Janine area at local Jewish communities. No injuries or damage so far, but everyone sees uh, where this is going. You see, folks, this is, this is the rule of the Middle East. If you don't, they, they test you. And if you don't strike back and make it clear that we are not going to take this stuff, that we're not going to allow these tents, and you just don't blow those tents up and say, don't start with me. At the same time, 
uh, you got to be careful when you lo- use force. And we have right now in the Dafyomi in the Talmud the famous story of Tur Malka, uh, where where Jews attacked uh, a Roman. I think it was probably a Roman force uh, because they took their uh, chickens that were symbolizing. Uh, the the marriage of a husband and wife, and, and the Jews attacked them because of the rudeness and the insensitivity. But that led to a conflict that was bigger than the Jews expected, uh, because the they were accused of rebelling against the Caesar instead of just recognizing that it was a local altercation. So sometimes you do have to be careful. But at the same time, the Middle East respect is the name of the game. When somebody tests you, you better destroy those tents. You better shut down the jihadism in Janine, or else you're going to keep having that stuff grow. It's just like, jihadism is just like the Audrey 2 in Little Shop of Horrors. Feed me, see more. It just keeps growing. Continues Ben Packer, that Thomas Friedman wrote an article this week claiming that the U.S.-Israel relations would have to change because of the current Israeli government. Uh, Writes Ben, now I've been around enough interesting people in my life to realize that anyone as high on the annoying spectrum as Friedman likely suffers from some kind of condition. However, maybe he has a point. Maybe if America continues to insist on disintegrating the majority, uh, disintegrating, and the majority of Israelis refuse to follow suit, this could cause some strain on the relationship. I think most Israelis are okay with that. I also think that most Israelis would be fine with Thomas Friedman being banned from the country forever. I actually toured, me, Ishai here now, I toured uh, Thomas Friedman at Marat HaMachpelah, at the Tomb of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs, and we had a, we had a good relationship uh, Thomas is continuously attacking this government, uh, and he calls it radical, uh, instead of recognizing that it is what it is, which is the will of the Israeli people to defend themselves and to stop being suckers uh, vis-a-vis the jihad. Uh, and relations are deteriorating between the U.S. administration and Israel, because the U.S. administration is now walking back every success uh, of the Trump administration. Now they are Going back into UNESCO, the organization that claims that the Tomb of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs is a Palestinian World Heritage Site, and now into UNRWA, they're refunding it. They're, they're basically, the, 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 the terror teaching organizations went into hibernation in the Trump period. Now they're coming out of hibernation by being refunded uh, by uh, the Biden administration and also the stoppages of... Um, scientific and other cooperation with Jews that live in Judea and Samaria. So bottom line is that they're making the big play for Israel to shrink and to support jihadism, and Israelis don't like that, and our government does not like that. And so, you know, there's a real change that's happening on the scene right now. Okay, folks, so that's the news here out of Israel. There's a lot more news as well, but one of the important news is is that a great rabbi passed away, and that's Rabbi Shalom Gold. Let's hear from Ben Bresky about the life and times, and maybe the voice, uh, of Shalom Gold, who he was, <clears throat> and his impact here in this world. Ben Bresky, take it away. This is a moment in Jewish history. Rabbi Shalom Gold was mourned by many throughout Israel and the Jewish world this week. The 88-year-old educator was the founder and rabbi of Congregation Kehilat Zichron Yosef in Jerusalem and the OU Israel Center's Avram Silver Jerusalem College for Adults. This is a special request for a tribute and biography of Rabbi Gold and also a brief history of the founder of the Orthodox Union back in 1898. 
If you are an English speaker living in Jerusalem, then you must likely have come across Rabbi Shalom Gold in his articles or lectures. I remember one of my first jobs at the old radio station was covering one of Rabbi Gold's many speeches. It was Yishai Fleischer who gave me a microphone and a recorder and sent me off to cover a speech on the importance of making Aliyah, moving to Israel, a favorite topic of Rabbi Gold. It was there so many years ago that I heard Rabbi Gold's now famous story of the dog who made Aliyah. In his characteristic, boisterous, and enthusiastic voice, with many humorous asides, Rabbi Gold told the audience of when he was still living in his native New York, and a neighborhood family moved to Israel, leaving behind their beloved dog, Charlie. This was during a time when Rabbi Gold was entertaining the possibility of moving to Israel himself, but considered it too impractical, since he was already serving as the head of a synagogue. The family left Charlie in the care of neighbors, and almost every evening Rabbi Gold would see them walking the dog. One day, the caretakers told him that the family in Israel had finally made arrangements for Charlie to ride on an airplane with all the necessary paperwork, make Aliyah, and join them. That's when Rabbi Gold decided, if Charlie the dog can make Aliyah, I can too. Something had happened that day in the country. Yells of cross to me, Rabbi Gold, you're still a Zionist. So I told him, what are you talking about? You're standing here in the fruit and vegetable section, and you can talk like that, be ashamed of the tomatoes. (laughs) Be ashamed. I had coined one of the great things for which I will be remembered into eternity when I said that if you want to talk to the Rabbeinu Shalom, you go to the Kotel. If you want to see him, go to Shuk Machne Yehuda. There is Birchas Hashem. Chesed of the Rabbeinu Shalom. Change the nature of this whole country, the earth. That's one. That's one. Kibbutz Golios. Kibbutz Golios. It's awesome what has happened here in the last 50, 60 years. It's unbelievable. It's awesome. Born in the neighborhood of Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York, an area with a large amount of religious Jews, Rabbi Gold's father was an ardent Zionist, something that greatly impressed him into adulthood. Rabbi Gold studied in Baltimore and also in Israel at the Panovich Yeshiva and the Hebron Yeshiva. He received his rabbinic ordination from Chief Rabbi Isaac Herzog, the grandfather of Israel's current president, Isaac Herzog. In 1959, Rabbi Gold founded Ner Yisrael Yeshiva College in Toronto and built Congregation B'nai Torah in Ontario. In 1971, Rabbi Gold headed Young Israel of West Hampstead. He built one of the first Eruvim in North America. He finally made Aliyah in 1982, where he lived in Jerusalem and was an educator for the next 40 years. There's no obligation to live in Eretz Yisrael. You know what that means? That gives me and every Jew the opportunity, not obligated, but I'm going to fulfill what I know clearly is God's will. What an awesome opportunity that is. I don't want Jews to come from America because of Bernie Sanders or the squad or because they're growing anti-Semitism. 
that's not why you should come. You should come because you want to come. On RabbiShalomGold.com, there are hundreds and hundreds of hours of lectures and videos on the importance of the land of Israel and the study of Torah. In 2015, he released his memoir, Touching History, From Williamsburg to Jerusalem, which chronicles his encounters with famous rabbis, elected officials, and visits to Soviet Russia. I'm very close to my 82nd birthday. I was just about my bar mitzvah at the time of the establishment of the state. I was quite an adult, a rashiva already at the time of the Six-Day War. I was zeichet to live through awesome times. I was zeichet to live as a young boy in Williamsburg. I, I, I saw, I came to shul in the morning, and I saw week by week more people rolling up their sleeves, and there was the Auschwitz number on them. We felt the Shoah. The British were going to leave Friday night at 12 midnight. But the secular Jews, you understand, decided we, we don't want any Chilul Shabbos. So they defied the world. They didn't wait till the British left in order to proclaim the state. They did it at four o'clock in the afternoon because there were Gitta Yidin that had to get home before Shabbos. The very birth of the state of Israel was an act of Kiddush Hashem. I remember <laughs> Friday afternoon, Mincha time, I come into Davenet Yeshiva. It was the fifth day of Iyar, 1948. And somebody came running into shul before Mincha. And he says, President Truman recognized the state of Israel. There were 500 people in that shul. The joy was, you couldn't calculate the joy. It was one of the greatest things that have happened. It was unbelievable. Thank you, Rabbi Shalom Gold. This has been a moment in Jewish history. Thank you to Yishai Fleischer. Thank you to all the listeners. And Shalom. All right, Ben, that was fabulous. And I do want to thank you so much for giving us uh, the story of Shalom Gold. And I want to also thank all the folks that make this show possible. We have a, a new sponsor of the show. We talked about that. That's the good folks at Kaplan Custom Tours. They're doing Israel right. They help you from the outset to design your dream tour in Israel. Keep in mind your needs, your interests, and budget, from itinerary to building the plan to overseeing every detail of your trip. They're by your side. Mo Kaplan fuses his background in great rabbinics, education, touring business, uh, and being a father to six children. That helps as well. Uh, so that's a really fun way to connect to Kaplan Custom Tours, which is Mo Kaplan, M-O Kaplan at gmail.com. Great, great folks. I highly recommend them. Uh, and also kosher t- koshercycletours.com will take you in the land of Israel. On a, I mean, they must work together, these guys, because they're both pros. Uh, so my friend Aaron is a great bicyclist, but also a great uh, a teacher of bicycling and a great guide of how to do it and the land or even outside of the land, but always in, in the kosher way with great minyanim, great kosher food, and great bicycles, and great cycling. So I really want to recommend everybody check out Kosher Cycle Tours. It will make a difference in your life and your tour to Israel. So those are just two great ways uh, to tour the land of Israel, especially this summer. If you're not coming in the summer, then you got to get the news right from the land of Israel. So check out jns.org, jns.org, uh, and also 
the good folks at jewishpress.com. JNS.org gives you the best, uh, the best op-eds in the business and really an amazing website itself and a great email, jewishpress.com, edgy, fast-paced news. Both of those will keep your mind healthy and limber about what's really going on here in the land and in the Jewish world. So jns.com and jewishpress.org. Um, so we heard from Ben Bresky about the life of Shalom Gold. Let's hear from our own Rabbi Shimshon Akon Nadel uh, about the man, his vision, and his Torah, the Torah of Rabbi Shalom Gold. Here's Rabbi Shimshon Akon Nadel. Shalom Yishai. Rabbi Shalom Gold of blessed memory, who was laid to rest this Sunday, was a great leader, visionary, pioneer, and builder of Torah in North America and the state of Israel. After having served as a rabbi in Canada and the United States, he made Aliyah with his family in 1982 and built Congregation Zichron Yosef, the very synagogue in Jerusalem where I have the privilege to serve as rabbi. He built the Avram Silver Adult Education Program at the OU Center where he taught for many years and was active in so many causes, contributed to so many organizations and touched so many lives. To me, he was a mentor and friend. He was madly in love with the Torah of Israel, the people of Israel, and the land of Israel. And he shared that love and that passion with all whom he encountered. He was so full of life, so full of joy, but was also ready to take a stand when necessary. Like the prophet Ishaiah, who said, for the sake of Zion, I will not be silent. For the sake of Jerusalem, I will not be still. And Rabbi Gold was neither silent nor still, but instead fought for our nation, our people, our land, and our right to this land. He titled his memoir, published in 2014, Touching History. He felt that we are living at an unprecedented moment in history, witness to the Jewish history and destiny playing itself out on the stage of the modern state of Israel. This time of year, as we approach the fast of the ninth of Av, we reflect on the destruction of Jerusalem and mourn the destruction and loss of the Holy Temple. When Rabbi Gold reflected upon and spoke about the destruction of Jerusalem and the Holy Temple, he spoke about the Jewish people emerging from the ashes of Auschwitz to statehood, like the fiery phoenix rising, the dry bones in Yechezkel's vision coming back to life, and the resurrection, rebirth, and restoration of a nation. The prophecy of Zechariah that old men and women will once again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, and children will play in her streets. He believed we are witnessing the fulfillment of these prophecies in front of our very eyes, that we are touching history. And he spoke about the incredible opportunity that we have today, after almost 2,000 years of exile, to return home to our land, our soil. For Rabbi Gold, the challenge of the ninth of Av was not just about fasting and mourning, he saw it as a challenge to diaspora Jewry to take a hard, honest look at themselves and decide if they are ready to cast their fate with the lot of those in the state of Israel. The book of Lamentations that we read on the ninth of Av begins with the Hebrew word Echa, how. How she sits alone, the city once full of people. The book itself opens and requires us to ask how, how did this happen? How could this happen? And the Talmud in a number of places offers a number of reasons for the destruction of Jerusalem and the Holy Temple. One famous story which appears in Tractate Gitin is the story of Kamtsa and Bar Kamtsa. The Talmud relates that because of Kamtsa and Bar Kamtsa, Jerusalem was destroyed 
it happened like this. A certain man had a friend named Kamtsa and an enemy named Bar Kamtsa. He once made a party and said to his servant, go and bring Kamtsa. The man accidentally went and invited Bar Kamtsa. When the man who gave the party found Bar Kamtsa there, he said, you are my enemy. What are you doing here? Get out. He responded, well, since I'm already here, let me stay and I will pay for whatever I eat and drink. The host said, absolutely not. Then let me give you half the cost of the party, he begged. The host refused. Then allow me to pay for the whole party. Just don't embarrass me and throw me out. Still, the host refused and took him by the hand and threw him out. Barkamtsa said, since the rabbis were sitting there watching and did not stop him, this shows that they agreed with him. I will go and inform against them to the Roman government. He went and said to the emperor, the Jews are rebelling against you. The emperor asked, how can I know that this is true? Barkamtsa said, well, send them an offering to be brought on the altar in the holy temple and see whether they indeed will offer it on the altar. So the emperor sent Barkamtsa along with a fine calf. While on the way, Barkamtsa made a blemish on the animal's upper lip, or as some say, the white of its eye, in a place where it invalidates the animal to be brought as an offering. The rabbis considered offering the animal in order not to offend the government. But came along Rabbi Zachariah ben Afkulas and said, people will draw from this and say that blemished animals are permitted to be offered on the altar. The rabbis then proposed to kill Bar Kamtsa so that he should not go and inform against them to the Romans. But Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulah said to them and asked, is one who makes a blemish on an animal to be put to death? The story ends with the statement of Rabbi Yochanan. Because of the humility of Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulah, our house has been destroyed, our temple burnt and we ourselves exiled from our land. Interestingly, the Talmud does not place the blame on Bar Kamtsa, the instigator, the traitor who sold out his people to the Romans, but instead places the blame on the shoulders of Rabbi Zachariah ben Avkulos. Why? What did he do wrong? The word that the Talmud uses, humility, should really be defined in this context as paralysis, a failure to act. The Talmud indicts the Jewish leadership at the time, the rabbis, for their failure to act. In fact, one of the details of the story the Talmud records is that the rabbis who were at the feast just sat there and did nothing, which is, in fact, what caused Bar Kamsa to go to the Romans. This paralysis was endemic. It was a dearth of leadership, and that is what destroyed Jerusalem. For Rabbi Gold, the message of the Talmud is timeless. He believed that today we are bereft of real leadership, religious leadership and political leadership, leaders who will inspire and encourage Jews to return home to their land, to their soil, to fulfill their potential as a nation, to manifest their destiny, courageous leaders who will make decisions in the best interest of the safety and security of the state of Israel and its citizens. May we merit 
courageous leaders, leaders like Rabbi Gold of blessed memory himself, and merit to see the final redemption with the rebuilding of our holy temple in Jerusalem speedily in our days. Amen. Wishing all of the listeners blessings from Jerusalem. All right, folks, that was Rabbi Shimshon. Thank you so much. The land of Israel is flourishing right now. And we're moving forward also with the biblical highway. I got a great email from Rabbi Gidon, who writes, Hi, Ishai, I really enjoyed the video clip about the biblical highway. Very well done and such a beautiful and important initiative. The fact that you have Mike Pompeo and David Friedman behind us is huge. Writes, Bahatz Lacha, Rabbi Gidon. That's right, working hard and... and I want you to pray for my uh, success out here because it's not so easy uh, to move projects forwards in the, in the beloved state of Israel. There's a lot of layers of bureaucracy. So that's, there's definitely things that I'm working on very hard in order to, to make uh, that happen. Um, you know, we are talking to Jews and non-Jews, and I spoke with an amazing non-Jewish audience called Bridges for Peace, and I talked to them uh, really about... Um, what's going on here in Israel and how to understand our situation. This was a really fun talk, a much longer talk, but here's a segment from my chat with the folks at Bridges for Peace. Let me tell you a story about two German journalists that came to Hebron to interview me, okay? So they say to me, yeah, yeah, why are you here in, in Hebron? You know, why are you, what are you... They asked me straight out, they're like, what are you doing here? I could see that they were truly trying to understand, what is it that I'm doing there? So I said to them, so I was like, you, you know, sometimes like plain questions are tricky, you know, like, what are you doing? I said, what am I doing? I'm, uh, you know, I, uh, they're like, why are you here? I'm like, uh, well, the Bible. Okay, you know? And they just looked at me like, and they didn't say this, but this is what I heard from their eyes. Do you also, like, beat your wife on the head with a stick and drag her into a cave? Are you, like, do you live, like, are you a, like, are you a Neanderthal of some kind? Or, you, you know, like, like, like what do you, what, you live with a book that's three and a half thousand years old? That's how you live your life? Are you, you know, we're past that. We're post-Bible, and we're post-God, post post-Christianity, post-Church. We're post these things. Uh, so I like I looked at them and they just looked at me like I, I like I was like for, you know so so they they pitched at me and I stri- first first strike I, I you know I went for the Bible I was like Whoa. so they were just like they just looked at me like blank like what 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 does that even mean uh, so I, so I tried to get my my bearings and uh, I was like uh, the other reason why I'm here is because of nationalism Jewish nationalism you know I'm a Jewish nationalist I believe in the Jewish nation state you know. You know, like Japan is for the Japanese and France is for the French and, 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 and Ireland, even though they're not pro-Israel, they're all, you know, it's an Irish country. You know, everybody there is, you know, it's, it's an Irish ethnicity. You know, it's like 98% Irish. You know, what I mean? it's not like a mixed country, not like America. There are many nations, Poland, uh, you know, Azerbaijan, whatever it is, there are many places in this world that are, that are ethnic national states. America is not like that. But there are many countries in the world that are ethnic national states, i.e. trying to defend our you know, our, our peoplehood in our ancestral land. So they looked at me like, nationalism? Like, they're, they're West Europeans. They're like, are you serious? We are post-national. We're Euro. We got the Euro rail and the Euro currency. And the, we're, we're not like, 
oh my God, are you still like talking about nationalism? And for them, this is the weirdest thing. The weirdest thing is for Europeans, the word nationalism means, fill in the blank here, help me out. What? Nazism. That's what they think. They're like, you're a Nazi. I'm like, <laughs> like no, 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 no. Uh, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, Nazism was not nationalism. It was not nationalism. It was imperialism. And it was also, uh, it was also chauvinism. And, and it was not, what na nationalism means that I'm not trying to take anybody else's land. I'm trying to live in my land, with my language, and my tribal lands. It really means a kind of like big tribe. It does not mean that I want somebody else's land. It means the opposite of that. I'm like, Nazism is not that. But they weren't hearing that. So, 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 so I said the nationalism struck out strike number two. So then I was like, okay, <laughs> I can get this. I got this. So I said to them, well, the third reason that we're here is because of defense. The Jewish people, we've been persecuted in diaspora. The Jewish people have been persecuted in di diaspora. And the pinnacle of which was the Holocaust, looking at the German journalists <laughs> with the nice stink eye, I'm like, you know what I'm talking about? So, uh, and therefore we came back to our land to defend ourselves. They looked at me like, guns? You're into, you're into like defense and like we're post guns. We're post defense. We have like this NATO thing. Somebody else takes care of it. You know, we don't, we're not into that. We're like, we're progressive and guns are bad, you know, and that kind of thing. Like, I can't believe. So basically I laid out to them three pillars, which was the Bible. <laughs> Nationalism. In America, that's called patriotism. They're like, and, and defense. They're like, ugh. So basically, like, strike, strike, strike. And I totally was not able to communicate with them. Conversely, conversely, in the same story, is when I was, uh, two years ago, I, my, my, my wife was from Texas, okay? So we went down to Texas, and uh, wherever I went, people were like, wow, a Jew from Judea. Why? Because in uh, Texas, you say Bible, they're like, yeah, woo-wee! You say Bible, they're like, we're with you! You say nationalism, patriotism, they're like, you bet! Everywhere in Texas has the word Texas on it. Do you know that? Everywhere, everywhere. Lone Star this, Texas that, you know? Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. The, the, or the star, right? The Lone Star. Everywhere you go, every store, everywhere. Every, every insurance agency is called Lone Star Insurance Agency. Every, Lone Star Bank, you know? It's like everywhere. And of course, the flag. I mean, we could learn one thing from America here in Israel. Flag culture. I mean, you're selling a used car out there, you're flying some kind of giant piece of cloth out there, you know, wow. And lastly, you say guns, you know, like, woohoo! You know what I mean? They're firing shots in the air. So, so the culture of Texas is a culture that understands my three pillars. They get it. I say Bible, they say sure. I say na nationalism, patriotism, they say sure. I say defense, they say sure. It's easy for them. It's easy for them. Tell you a little story about that. I'm driving in Texas. I mean, a lot of Texas is nowhere. You know what I'm saying? It's not hard to be nowhere in Texas. You know what I mean? It's a gigantic state. I think Israel fits in 50 times into Texas. And it's this huge thing. Oh, I was driving out there. And anyway, I drive out there. I have to gas up. I go into a gas station. There's a guy there. He's got a beer belly. I'm not sure he had all his teeth or maybe some of them were gold. And, and he was wearing a trucker-type hat. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. The kind of guy that he was. And he was out there selling carpets, rugs. And the rugs had 
the star of Texas on them, okay? Beautiful rugs, by the way. And he was selling flags. He had like 20 thin poles up in the air, and they were all flapping these flags. Ten of the flags were like Texas flags. Texas this, Texas that. And there's all kinds of flags. There was a few U.S. flags. Uh, there might have been a, a Confederate flag. And there was all kinds of stuff out there. And I look up, I see the blue and white Star of David. I see the flag of Israel. So I say to the dude, I say to him, I like that flag. He goes, yeah, why is that? I go, because, because I'm from Israel. He's like, is that right? And see, he goes, I want to give you a present. Now, I've learned in life that you got to take presents. If people want to give you something, it's not because you need that thing. It's because that person wants to connect with you. So I said to him, okay, I'll take that present. Thank you very much. And he gave me a nice Israeli flag. I said, but I'll buy two, but I want to buy two flags from you, you know? So I said to him, let me take that Texas flag, and let me take that one that says, uh, come and get it. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry, I said it wrong. Come and take it. Come and take it. Sorry, sorry. Come and take it. Come and take it. And it's the, there's a few different versions of it, as I told you many flags. One of them is with a cannon. <laughs> And another one, that's a classic, and there's another one with the flag of Texas in an M16 at the bottom, and it says, come and take it. <laughs> so I said to him, I said to me, yeah, I need that flag. I go, I go, I said to him, and he gives me, I said, I'm going to fly this flag in Israel. He goes, listen to this, he says to me, oh, you need to. Because if you don't fight for it, the other side will. I was like, did I just hear... I was like, this Texas hick in Nowheresville is so on target. He knows exactly what's up. He knows exactly what's up. I said, come, come, come to the Knesset. I need you, brother. Okay? He had such a clarity and understanding. I was just like, oh, my God. If I could replace. So how many Jews cannot make those clear-eyed statements? He's like, if you don't fight for it, the other side will. That was it. He gave me his PhD doctorate in one, just one phrase there. Boom. The clear-eyed simplicity of the good people, you know what I mean? Uh, of good people who, who understand things clearly, who see things clearly. That, that, was, that was the way it was. That was that story. I was blown away by that story. So for him, for that dude, it's easy to understand the Bible, uh, nationalism, and defense. Those are the three pillars. All right, folks, we are back here on the Yishai Fleischer Show. Uh, as I told you, I went on a crazy hike yesterday, so I'm still like recovering from that a little bit. Uh, but it was such a such a schut, such a merit to walk in in the land of Israel, and that's why I really recommend that you have in your hand an Israel Bible, and you can get a great Israel Bible at theisraelbible.com. Put in coupon code Yishai, and you'll get the most beautiful Bible that you've owned in English and Hebrew with a great uh, commentary about the land of Israel. That's the Israel Bible. And of course, the land of Israel itself is calling you. Uh, first, the Jewish community of Hebron, where I am right now. It's one of the most amazing places in the world. I highly recommend that you come and touch the Tomb of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs, literally and figuratively. Hebronfund.org forward slash tour is the way to do that and the way to support the Jewish community of Hebron. We are the Knights of the Machpelah, the Knights of the Tomb of the Patriarchs and the Matriarchs. And when you're in the land of Israel, this time it's going to be a little bit different because you're going to go on a uh, walk, on a tour, on a spiritual tour, a physical and spiritual tour on the Temple Mount with High on the Har, highonthehar.com. They will take you, they will teach you, they will show you, they will enthrall you, and they will take you up in purity and in, correct, in the correct attitude 
to the holiest place in the world. Folks, we are finishing up the book of um, the book of Numbers, the book of Bamidbar, which is my really my second favorite book. I, I just love it's it's silly to talk about the Torah as being your favorite. Yes, or you know what part is your favorite, but still there are things that talk to your soul, talk to your heart. Uh, and I love this book. It's so interesting. It's so political. It's so you know full of uh, real real politic uh, uh, um, uh, sociology. Uh, psychology, spirituality, uh, po- politics—it's all in there. It's all, the humanities are all in uh, the book of uh, the book of uh, uh, of Bamidbar, Numbers, the book of In the Desert, and the last uh, bit of this of this book is really about the uh, various trips, the various parkings. Uh, that God took the Jewish people to 42 stops along the way, sometimes with water, sometimes with lacking water. But God took us in these in these in these places, and and they're mapped out. They're mapped out. God tells us where the Jewish people stopped along the way, along the way to the Holy Land. And all those stops are very much like the diaspora, where we remember all the different stops that we had. If it was Vienna or Addis Ababa, and they're all remembered. They were all important. They were all had had a spark to give us. And now is the time where after those 42 different stops, those parkings, we're finally heading to the promised land, to the Holy Land. We don't need to reject the past. Uh, We don't need to throw it all away in order to accept uh, the land of Israel. Uh, There's something that we bring the sparks with us. And yet there is an element at the same time where there are certain rabbis in the Talmud that fasted for 40 days in order to forget the Torah of outside of the land of Israel, uh, in order to receive the Torah uh, of the land of Israel. And I think those things are both true. There's an element of this land where you have to give yourself over to it. And then there's an element which you bring with you your pekalach, your luggage, where you came from, your way, and you make this land, you kind of add to the flavor of the soup. Both are true. In some level, you just got to say, I'm not in America anymore. I'm not in other places. I'm really here. And I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm giving myself over to the way of this land. Rabbi Nachman explains that when it says that the land of Israel, when the spy said that it's a land that eats its inhabitants, it means that it chews them up and incorporates them into the land. If you're really an inhabitant of the land, you become incorporated into it. And if, on the other hand, uh, you don't belong to this land, you get spit out and not chewed up. You do not become part of the land. So part of it is to let go of the past. And part of it is to bring the past. And that's what, what we learn from the 42 different parking locations of the Jewish people as a nation along the way, which is take the beauty of Brooklyn and San Diego, take the beauty of Marseille uh, and and Barcelona uh, and, and even um, Freiburg or I don't know what else, bring those places with you uh, to the land of Israel, bring the sparks of the other nations, because in a way we are we are a separate nation. This is related. The Jewish people are a separate nation, not like the other nations. On the one hand, and on the other hand, a kind of representation of all the nations. Both of those are true at the same time. That's 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 the greatest honor irony. Complete separation on the one hand, and yet no a representation of those nations, on the other hand, and being a channel onto them. This show uh, has both of those elements. On the one hand, it's really for Jewish people. On the other hand, it's really for the nations of the world. Both are true. 
Uh, but we are right now in a period, and I think Jeremy Gimpel taught me this, uh, you know, strongly. So did Arya Bramowitz, that it's really a time of spreading the knowledge to the world. That's the time that that Hashem has decided the nations are coming to us and asking us for Torah. I want to thank Yochavit Seidman, Moshe Herman, Ben Bresky, Tabitha, and Lou. I want to thank two more sponsors that make the show happen. That's the good folks at Prohibition Pickle, prohibitionpickle.co.il, making delightful delights for your Sabbath, weekdays, holidays, and events. I've been to now a wedding catered by Prohibition Pickle. I've been to religious events catered by Prohibition Pickle, including a new an event that I was just at for High on the Har. Um, and they make great stuff. So thank you very much to Chaim and Prohibition Pickle and our good folks at Retro Watch Guy, RetroWatchGuy.com. Great watches uh, from the 60s and 70s, maybe before you were born or maybe a reminiscent. Right now I'm wearing my Tissot because my other watch, the battery started crudding out so there you go then now i'm wearing my tissot on a weekday and a regular day and i love it very much it's a beautiful watch and right now it's 5 p.m in the land of israel i want to thank hashem for the opportunity to speak uh, words of his land and of his torah to the world hashem thank you for everything please give me strength please give all of us strength to serve you in joy amen amen even when we're tired even when there's a lot on our mind hashem please keep us in joy bizrat hashem All right, folks, more great stuff is on the way. Thank you to the Land of Israel Network and all of our partners. Lots of love, lots of blessings from the Land of Blessings. Stay tuned, stay strong, connected, and shalom.